Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Mark Melanson. Mark is a reliever for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's also pitched for the Yankees, Astros, and Red Sox. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Mark underscore Melanson underscore. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. No problem. Thank you. Well, Mark, let's start at the beginning. Tell me what initially attracted you to baseball in the first place. Just started as a little kid playing t-ball. Went from there. Were you a kid that was playing multiple sports in high school? Yeah, I played uh, basketball, football, and baseball. I loved all of them. Do you think that it's one of these things now where so many kids now, they show any promise in one sport, they're just pushed that way when they're 12? Do you think it's important that kids get an experience to play all sports when they're in high school? I really think it's important. Um, you know, anytime I talk to kids, I, I really tell them how important I think it is. And, and the reason is because I've learned so much that applies today in, in baseball that I learned, in, you know, from football and basketball and just discipline and, and um, athletically, um, different coaches, different experiences, uh, competition in general. It's just really important in my eyes to, to be well-rounded, and it's going to make you better in the long run. You were drafted out of high school by the Dodgers, but opted to go to the University of Arizona. Tell me about that decision. For me, at the time, it was a very tough dis- decision because, you know, it's it's one of those things that you have to weigh. And, you know, you, the pros and cons, and, and, you know, what if you were to go to college and get hurt, and, and what if... You know, what if you're not as good and you don't have an opportunity to play professional baseball? College is always there. But uh, after going to college and, and um, you know, using those three years uh, to, to better myself and, and um, become a, a, a man and mature and have the, the college experience and, and, you know, better myself academically, there's pretty much no amount of money that I would I would take to... to bypass college and go straight to professional baseball it's it's unless it's just a you know absorbing amount of money that say a first rounder may get or you know it also depends on your family situation but honestly i i, I recommend going to, to school and and uh maturing and having those experiences so many friends and and uh relationships that i've created in college that uh you know i wouldn't have if, if i didn't do that very thankful I went to college. What were you throwing in high school as a 17 and 18 year old kid? What was your velocity on your fastball and what kind of pitches were you throwing at that point? I was just throwing a four seam fastball and a two seam fastball on a curveball. I wish it was a changeup. I think change, uh, the changeup is about the best pitch in the game, but uh, I was throwing 88, 89 miles an hour and, and uh, you know, nothing too special. But I was playing three sports, and I think, you know, some of my time was taken up towards those other sports. Uh, like I said, you know, and being in Colorado, there's such a short window for a baseball season anyways. I think we played 20 games altogether, so it's not like you have a ton of time to, to really get your arm going and, and uh, get that velocity up. But, you know, I, I stood out, but... Uh, Across the nation, it wasn't a huge, you know, you look at me and say I was the elitist of the elite, so. You went to college and you excelled at the University of Arizona. You were able to play for the USA national team. Tell me about that experience. Uh, it was wonderful. Anytime you can play for your country, 
and, uh, you know, go across seas to play other nation. It's pretty special. You made your major league debut on April 26, 2009 with the Yankees. Tell me about that day. It was a dream come true. Um, you know, I got called up. The Yankees were playing the Red Sox at Fenway Park, and I ran on the field in the 16 with Mariano Rivera, and, and uh, just an unbelievable experience where I'll never forget it, and I get goosebumps talking about it. I showed up late to the game because my flight was delayed to send it to, and uh, arrived in about the fifth inning. I had to hurry up and get my uniform on to, to make it out in time with, with Mo. So all the craziness aside, I, I went down the tunnel into the dugout and to, to 50,000 people looking down on you and, and run across the field with the greatest closer in history. It's it pretty special. Tell me about Rivera. I mean, Rivera is, he's so far ahead of the pack. He he dominated for 20 years, throwing mostly one pitch. You picked up the cutter at one point. You seem to, early in your career, favor a sinker, and now you're favoring a cutter. Is that cutter Rivera's cutter? I hope so. I hope it lasts 20 years. I've heard that he's very generous with teaching people the cutter, though. Did you learn it from Rivera? No, I didn't. I, I watched him throw it a lot, and, uh, you know, I I paid attention to what he was doing, but it wasn't really in my arsenal at the time. But, um, there was a Yankees coach, Billy Connors, who put it in my mind, showed me the grip, told me to play with it. And it wasn't until Houston and uh, we had a guy over there that was throwing it. And I kind of took notes and he showed me what, what you really wanted to see when you threw it. And it doesn't need to be a big, big break to it. Um, you're just trying to miss the barrel of the bat. And, and uh, between that and, and, and me just not over analyzing it, just making sure that if I missed, it was it was going to be a good quality fastball if it didn't cut. And that learning learning to go about it that way helped me a lot to not try to do too much with the cutter. How difficult is it? You were in the majors for a couple of years before you started to throw it. How difficult is it for a professional pitcher to learn a new pitch? I feel like I'm always trying to learn a new pitch in a sense that may not may not be a totally different pitch, but I'm trying to make each pitch better. And sometimes that is changing a grip or um, pronating more or, you know, manipulating the ball in, in some sort of way. And so I feel like there's a, there's always some change and, and learning and, and uh, you know, just educating yourself to, to, to stay ahead of the hitters. And it's not always that difficult. It is difficult to master the pitch, but you're always doing it in some capacity. So it's not... Uh, not completely foreign in that sense. We're obviously in the middle of spring training right now. What is your off-season like? When does your off-season really start? When do you start throwing? I take about two, two, three, three weeks off before I start working out. Then I work out throughout the off-season, obviously. And I start throwing mid-December. And are you throwing at full velocity at that point? No, it's uh, it's gradual. It's you know, start out at 60 feet and progressively uh, get further and further. But, but, you know, the amount of throws and, and uh, the velocity behind each throw continues to build. When you're in the bullpen and you're warming up in a game, how many pitches does it take for you to warm up in the bullpen? About 18. That's a hard number, 18 every time? Um, it's not a strict number, no. It's just uh, 
you know, some few few times it'll be less, and few times if I need, you know, if I need to work on another pitch, maybe I'll throw two more of those. Or, you know, it's not a hard number, but it's around there. You're obviously not pitching at full force in the pen, but is it a struggle? Do you feel wear and tear on your arm when you get called up to warm up, then you don't go in the game, you get called up again? Is that up and down, stressful on your arm? No, I am throwing full force in the, in the bullpen, but, uh, you know, it's not the very first throw. I'm, it takes a few throws to get into it. We, we threw them prior to the game, so our, and we stretched and, and loosened up and gotten our heart rate up, so... Our body's not completely cold, but yeah, that is a that is a factor, and, and the manager takes that into account, and, and the pitching coach. So getting up and, and sitting down, and getting up again, and you know those those pitches are actual pitches that you're throwing. You may not see that on the scoreboard, or the fans may not see that, but our arms feel that, and and. Uh, it's taken into account. Injuries are such a concern with pitchers. We just saw Chris Medlin. He's going to need his second Tommy John surgery here. And every year, many pitchers are getting Tommy John, and relievers are most volatile. What do we actually know at this point about keeping pitchers and especially relievers healthy? Well, um, I think the you know the ups and downs, like you talked about in the bullpen, the the number of pitches is I think probably the biggest factor. And, you know, the amount of times you've thrown in a week, all those things you have to take into account. I don't know if it's one thing, but uh, multiple things. Mark, you're a guy that's been traded multiple times. Tell me about that process. You were traded by the Yankees in the Berkman deal, then Houston traded you to the Red Sox, the Red Sox traded you to Pittsburgh. Is the process the same every time? How do you find out you're being traded, and how does that all work? Usually the, the general manager will call you. Uh, in one case, I was out of town, so I, I learned through email from some friends. But uh, it is what it is. It's a business, and, and um, you got to understand it's a business. It's not anything personal. It's just uh, we can be pawns at times and, and uh, basically numbers. So you understand that and, and uh, go with it. Ian Kinsler was quoted recently in ESPN the magazine as saying he wishes the Rangers go 0 and 162. And you know he's bitter about being traded and how it was all handled. Do you feel that at all? Do you feel like you wish the Yankees lose every game? And obviously they're not going to. But is there any sort of resentment towards a club when they deal you? I don't feel that way. It's not. Uh, I understand it's business, so it's. I don't feel like it's anything personal. Not really a huge deal to me. I don't. I don't look at it that way. One thing that comes up often with analytics and managers that may not be analytically inclined, it's bullpen usage. And it's the idea of relievers knowing their roles or being fixed in a situation. How important is it for you, who is a guy who's actually there, to know when you're coming in? Throughout the course of the season, it's really important. I think that's been a huge key to our success in Pittsburgh. I think the stress level is reduced a lot when you know when you're pitching, but on the flip side of that, you have to pitch well enough to know your role. You know, you have to do your part of it so the manager can, can you know, know what role to put you in. But uh, I think it's a big deal. I think it's, it's something that a good manager is aware of and knows how to utilize each guy. 
Is it frustrating though when you see you're a you're an excellent reliever, you're one of the better relievers on the Pirates, and there were times when there were close games that you don't get involved in because they're waiting for the eighth inning. Wouldn't it be more beneficial to have you or to have Grilly if even if you're needed in the sixth inning and the bases are loaded, isn't it better to turn to you or to Grilly rather than someone else? No, because we play 162 games, and if you do that, if you start doing that a lot of times, it it goes back to what I said about the stress level, about uh, the ups and downs. It, it would just be mayhem down in the bullpen because a situation can arise so quickly and you have to be called upon to get into the game in, in, you know, in a matter of two or three minutes. And then what if that situation goes away? He's been hot. He's been up and, and throwing. And now you got to sit down. I mean, you'd, you'd just be worn out by the end of the year, probably by the, the quarter, first quarter of the year, you'd, you'd be toast. So I, I understand that theory. It's a good theory, but it's only a theory in my book. Last year was an exciting year for the Pirates. They made the the playoffs for the first time in many years, and the crowd was super into those games. They were they were screaming and they were watching those games on TV. That was just deafening at times. It was just exciting watching it. What was it like being a part of that? Yeah, uh, it's just what you uh, imagine you as a little kid. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's I get goosebumps. It's, um, it's a special time. Playoffs are always special, but last year was really special being in the playoffs. You know, the, the wild card game and, and Pittsburgh not being in the playoffs for 20 something years, and, and uh, the fans just really backing us. It was neat. A lot of people in Pittsburgh and around baseball are excited about Garrett Cole. Uh, give me a little scouting report on him and tell me if you think he's ready to assume that mantle of an ace. I think Francisco Lariano's our ace. Uh, right now, I think Cole will be an ace. You know, he's good. He knows he's good. He's confident. He's, he's got an electric arm, and uh, he's going to do a lot of good things for us. Two years ago, you were part, last year we talked about you were part of a good situation in Pittsburgh, and two years ago, you were part of a bad situation in Boston where everything just went wrong for the Red Sox that year. You're removed from it at this point. What went wrong that season for the team and for you? Well, we lost a lot of games. That's what went wrong. For me, it was, uh, I don't know if my season was as bad as people want to think it was. It wasn't good by no means, but um, there are a few rough outings that, that really hurt my numbers when you look at them that way. Um, but what was good about that year is I learned a ton. I really, anytime that your back is against the wall, it, it uh, makes you realize, you know, what you're doing this for and, and uh, it makes you work harder and realize what it takes to get out and if you're willing to do it or not. Bobby Valentine was the manager that year. That obviously didn't work. He seemed to have a problem with some players before he even met them or based very quickly in spring training. Uh, he seemed to have some issues. You seem to be one of those guys that he, for whatever reason, just didn't favor. Did you sense that? Did you feel that? Did you have any confrontations with Valentine? No, I, I didn't sense that or feel that. I do want to ask you, we'll move off the Red Sox and Bobby Valentine. Tell me about Andrew McCutcheon, obviously one of the better players in the league. Tell me a bit about him as a teammate. Awesome. Awesome teammate, unbelievable athlete, great person, and, um, you know, definitely a, a playmaker for sure. 
You've been listening to Mark Melanson. Mark is a reliever for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He also pitched for the Yankees, Astros, and Red Sox. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Mark underscore Melanson underscore. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate it.